Ladies and gentlemen, episode 14, New Guys got New Guys Podcast, presented by Ride the Wave Media. Um, we're back again, took a little hiatus for another week. Things come up. Uh, hey, it happens, but we're here bringing you guys some more fire content. Um, you can check out our handles in the description, Ride the Wave Media, our, our Instagrams, no Snapchat yet. I don't think that's ever happening. Uh, we haven't come to a consensus on that yet. So, week four, uh, 13 now. Let's hit the rewind button before we jump into the future. Um weren't a lot of great games on paper, if you really think about it. But the one of them that jumps out to me, which I want to cover right now, get right into it, Browns and the Titans. Um, I know Graham is smiling somewhere. I'm saying that like he's dead. Um, Graham is somewhere <laughs> smiling right now about the Browns. He's looking uh, down at us. He, yeah, he's looking down on us. Well, right? he's smiling, but he's also probably angry because the Titans lost. Yeah. Just True. Disclaimer, Graham isn't dead, everybody. Graham is not dead. <laughs> Graham is alive and well. I, I tried to say it, and then Graham... Graham. Pat said, yeah, he's smiling down on us somewhere. Like, come on, man. <laughs> really, really dark start to this podcast. Um, carrying on, um, everyone's saying the Browns are legit. And I, don't, I think that's kind of hard to argue at this point. Uh, you got to you gotta really take into account how Baker played this past week. Um, even though they kind of took their foot off the gas in the after the first half, Mayfield still lit it up in the, in the first two quarters. So I want to know what you guys think. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, it's, it's tough to say because Baker, even a few weeks ago, remember he threw for like five touchdowns um, against Cincinnati. But I'd like to think that he's uh, kind of turned the corner, going back to his rookie year and actually playing well. But uh, I think we'll just see what happens this week against Baltimore. I think that's a true test of what he's going to be. Um, I don't know. Tennessee's secondary isn't great. It's just. It's just concerning that Baker Mayfield is so inconsistent, and um, you know the Browns are nine and three, so you know gotta give credit where credits due. Their their run game has been sick. Uh, Baker Mayfield's been good at times. Their defense has occasionally put together a good performance. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of happy for them. They finally have a winning season for the first time since 2007. So gotta look on the bright side. Hopefully Baker Mayfield is actually uh, you know turning the corner and becoming a good starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I agree with you. I, I feel like it's weird because the entire, like this entire year, it was always Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that that was their offense. It was Mayfield was like, he was just there. He was just there, someone to throw the ball to, uh, throw the ball. But uh, like we've said, and like Pat just said, Mayfield's starting to become, you know, more pass heavy. And it's not so much that he needs to throw for, you know, <clears throat> 300 plus and three touchdowns or four touchdowns every game for them to win because they have, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, he just needs to be a compliment to them. And you can see that, you know, if teams, I think the problem with the Titans is best because that they stack the box so much thinking that it was just going to be the Chubb and Hunt show, which you can't blame them because that's what it has been for, you know, 10 plus weeks. Um, but then Mayfield comes out slinging it. They may, maybe didn't game plan for that. And, you know, Travis Landry and Shard Higgins took over. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Pat. This next week's going to be the test whether they can actually like hold up with what I would say a you know a better team than the Titans is in the Ravens, uh, fully healthy. But yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I, they're, they're certainly legit now. I think there's no argument to be made that um, that uh, they're not included in the top you know five or six in the AFC, even just you know by talent wise. Like I said, their run game is is gross. Their defense has been pretty good this year. And now Mayfield, you know, 
not every quarterback can throw for 350 and four touchdowns. We, you still have to have some talent there. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think it's more also a knock on the Titans as well. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing. That first, I think they were down something like 35-7 or something at the end of the half. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, it's I like more so like. This year. It's like they go that's down. The, that's they, the, that was the AFC's number three team. Yeah. And they just got obliterated by that yeah. by a wild card. Yeah. Well, and more so Derrick Henry. I mean, 15 for 60. Like, and a fumble. That's bad. Yeah. And, and really, fumble. I think the fumble. I think the fumble really changed the momentum of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's when things started to go downhill. And I want to talk about Baker Mayfield for a second. 334, four touchdowns. Um, and he was able to really spread the ball around. Um, Jarvis Landry, eight catches, 62 yards, a touchdown. Rashard Higgins, six catches, 95 yards, a touchdown. Um, something Peoples Jones, he came out of nowhere in this game. Two catches, 92 <laughs> yards, a touchdown. That's 75. Per- that's just about 75 percent or three quarters of uh, Mayfield's passing right there. The way he's able to spread this ball around yeah. is something that I think it's really scary, and especially if they can get David Njoku. Is he still he's still around, right? Or is he hurt? I don't know. That whole tight end group is like yeah. a mess. It's really weird because they have Hooper, they got Harrison Bryant, they got Njoku, and Njoku requested a trade, I think, earlier in the year. So I don't, I don't know if he's very involved in the game plan. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, even with a guy like Austin Hooper, if he's even healthy, you would think you get him involved over the middle and across and across the field on a check down, that's dangerous. Yeah. It's, I don't know, man. This this Browns team, especially the way that the Titans couldn't get pressure, just because I think between the front seven and the secondary, I think Tennessee relies a little bit more on their secondary. Kevin Byard, Malcolm Butler, the whole crew. Um, I'm not saying it's anything great, but when you're going up this dynamic receiving core of the – Browns without Odell Beckham, mind you. Um, it's really hard if you're not getting any pressure. It felt like he was getting the ball out of his hands in three or four seconds every play, Mayfield, and he was just dying guys up left and right. They kept blowing coverage. Um, and I think that's going to be the inevitable downfall of the Titans later down the line if they can't get that figured out. Mike Vrabel's got to come up with something. And I think he will. I think he most definitely will. And this isn't the last you'll see of the Titans. So just just remember the Titans. <laughs> you definitely had that one written yeah, down. Yeah, you had that one written down. <laughs> no, I, I can't. Yeah, you had a, I, had a double underlined. It worked the same. <laughs> I'm just a, a madman like that. Y'all know me. That was a good one. I'll give you credit. And last thing on Mayfield, I mean, going into the playoffs, like even if Mayfield like kind of trails off towards the end, um, you know, towards the last couple of games of the season, like even just having this one game to show the other teams in the AFC, like, you know, I can throw. I mean, it just opens up everything else. Like, Chubb and Hunt can, you know, get more room to run. Teams aren't going to just stack up and, you know, make him throw it because they know what will happen now. So, hmm. something I want to say about Baker real quick. Um, I was kind of curious. I was just doing some stat digging while while you guys were kind of going back and forth, and I was looking at other quarterbacks that were kind of like similar to him. And I pulled up Ben Roethlisberger's stats here. And obviously, you know, early in his career, he had a great defense. Um, we all know that, but his passing stats really for like the first couple of years and really overall for his career, they're never like amazing. So I think a lot of people tend to look at the stats, including myself, regarding Baker Mayfield and kind of make a quick judgment about it. But I mean, as long as he's winning games, uh, ultimately it doesn't really matter. And he's doing a lot better this season than he was last season. So, um, you know, it's kind of tough when you try to judge someone early in their career. Not everybody's going to be Mahomes or, you know, like Deshaun Watson or something like that. But, um, I don't know. There's something to keep in mind. I think I judge Baker Mayfield a little too harshly, but but you expect a guy like Baker Mayfield, number one overall, 
to be the right. the Patrick Mahomes of the Sean yeah. Watson. I just want right. to hear you. Right, that's true. Mm. I really shut you so, down. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> to that game, I think that was a um, something else I want to know. Corey Davis, eleven catches, one hundred eighty-two yards, and He's a touchdown. Good. Absolutely stellar game from him. Whether it's AJ Brown or Corey Davis, Derrick Henry lighting it up. It's always one guy on the Titans lighting it up, and I think if they can start to get Two guys really starting to light up the charts, I think. I mean, even Tannehill did 389 for three touchdowns and a pick. I mean, I don't know. This Titans team is starting if, to confuse if me. If they had last year's de- – like the way their defense was playing last year with this year's offense, I feel like they'd be yeah. insanely oh, yeah. early, which yeah. maybe maybe they can get it together. Maybe well, and they put up 35 without Jonu Smith. I mean, that's that's impressive too. I mean, that mm-hmm. arguably – I mean, you could argue maybe he was the, he's the three behind Corey Davis, but he's he's reliable for Tannehill. For him to have his starting tight end there, I mean, and they still put up 35. Like, their offense is still scary because, like Anthony just said, someone always goes off, and it's because you can't guard every single player on that team. If you're if you're doubling A.J. Brown, Corey Davis is open, and you probably have to open up the, you know, D-line a bit, and then Henry gets, you know, room to run. You almost always have to stack and then go one-on-one with either Davis or A.J. Uh, AJ Brown, and it's not going to work most of the time. But like Pat said, I mean, their defense this year – when you're getting 41 put up on by by the Browns and, and Mayfield starting up for four touchdowns, it's not a good look going into the playoffs. Definitely, no. definitely not. Cleveland's next game is against Baltimore on Monday night, and Tennessee is traveling down to Jacksonville. Go Baltimore. Go Baltimore. Yeah. Oh no. Go Browns. Go shit. <laughs> I, I just jinxed us now. Cleveland, Baltimore, same thing. <laughs> I don't, there's yeah, so true. many teams, there's so many different teams we're rooting for different weeks. One it's week we're rooting against the Colts, then we're rooting for them, then we're rooting against the Steelers. I mean, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, kind of the same thing if you think about yeah, it. Technically, in the, yeah. In the late 90s. Yeah. Um, one other game I wanted to talk about: Giants 17, Seahawks 12. The Seahawks going with the Seahawks. Am I right? Frauds. This frauds. team. Is, this team is really starting to scare me. Not that I'm scared of the Seahawks, but the fact that they're just crumbling like that. Russell Wilson really came out to be the early MVP. They were blowing opponents out, putting up putting up numbers like crazy. I, I wouldn't say blowing out opponents. They were involved in real shootouts. And what happens? This defense just completely, 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 completely unraveled as the, as the weeks went on. I think it started against Buffalo. That was their first um, – true sign of weakness and it was just all downhill from there. So I want to know what you guys think. What is the what is the main problem in Seattle? My bad. <laughs> go. uh, I, I was just holding off because I gotta think about that one. Yeah, I'm kinda <laughs> thinking about it too. Um I don't I feel like it's I feel like Russell Wilson always has like a month during the season where he's just like kind of not that good and he's kind of like a little bit off. I think it's just um uh, maybe they get in their own heads. Maybe it's just like all their problems kind of come out at the same time. Uh, I'm really, really not too sure what it is with them. Maybe it's their coaching, honestly. Maybe Pete Carroll has to throw something together because you can't be losing to a team like the Giants, you know, whether they're playing above their pay grade or not. Um, the Seahawks started 5-0, and now they're 8-4. and So something's clearly going on there. And I remember talking about it a few weeks ago. Pete Carroll kind of has to figure out what's going on in that locker room, because you got the Rams who are currently holding first place in the NFC West. If you're not careful, they're going to end up winning that division, um, getting a higher seed than you, getting a more favorable playoff matchup. So, um, 
I think it's I think it might be a mental thing. It could be a coaching thing. Um, their defense hasn't been great really throughout the season. We've known that. Uh, I think Wilson just needs to step up. I think when when Russell Wilson is off, it's very hard for them to win games. They kind of rely on his arm a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's just a combination of pretty much all their problems coming out at one time. I mean, just what Pat said, exactly. Like, we we talked about it all. We talked about it for weeks that, like, even when they were winning games 35 to 30, they're relying on Wilson and the offense to put up 30 plus every single game. And if mm-hmm. they don't, then it's it's not good. Even though, you know, <clears throat> the Giants only put up 17, it's Cole McCoy putting up 17 on you. I mean, decent quarterback, like, you know, some, someone in the average tier is putting up, you know, probably another touchdown, 24, 25 points again. And I mean, I think another thing, there's a bit of an overreaction going on. The, the Giants defense is, is good. I mean, they're, they're top half of the league because they've been missing a lot of guys most of the year. And just in recent weeks, they've gotten a couple of them back. And I mean, I'm not saying that Russell Wilson should have, you know, lost to them, but I mean, I think people are thinking it's the Giants of like last year and in years, you know, past their, you know, Strahan days. Um, but you know, they're, they're back to being a pretty good defense. So I don't think it, that that is, you know, it's not like they CX couldn't score on a, you know, shitty defense, but like Pat said, I mean, they're relying too much on Wilson, even when Wilson has a, you know, one touchdown two sixty ish game. Um, they can't hold the Cole McCoy giants to under 15 points, which, you know, should be, should be able to be done. You know, you could argue Cole McCoy shouldn't have even scored a touchdown um, at all. And, uh, you know, they ended up putting 17 on him. So, I mean, I, I don't know. The Seahawks are – the NFC is really like – when we get to our power rankings, which we'll do later on, um, we'll Momentary. be able to see how, how people how, – how, how we rank uh, the Seahawks. But to me, the NFC, there's one team that I feel is, is, is strongest and the clear one, and then everyone else is kind of in the same category. Yeah, and you got to note this Giants defense. I feel like they're one of the most balanced all around in the league, not just in the front seven and the secondary. Because you think about it, they had five total sacks. Leonard Williams had two and a half by himself. And that's mainly because this, the secondary, James Bradbury, Jabril Peppers, was able to lock down guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the whole crew, who has been one of the most dynamic in the league, especially with a guy like Wilson. So I don't know. I Do you – do you give more credit to the secondary for locking them down? Bradbury's having like an an insane season. Yeah, he's like he he's playing like a top five corner this year. I think James Bradbury. I'm, I was just going to get to him. Him winning that matchup against DK Metcalf was absolutely necessary. It was dire for the Giants to win this game, and he did. He did his job, and you got to tip your hat to him. That's where that's where Jordan takes off his hat and literally tips it. But <laughs> Not all right, to have a Giants play. Not to have a Giants play. <laughs> so um. Sorry, Anthony, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're uh, good. But I'm looking at the Seahawks right now. I'm looking at their wins and losses, and they've let up over 30 points um, four times throughout the season, which, you know, a lot of them, three of them they've won. Um, excuse me, two of them they've won, two of them they lost. And their other two losses have come when the offense hasn't really performed, but the defense has performed. So it's it's like when Wilson doesn't go off, um, the defense performs. But when Wilson the- does go off, the defense doesn't perform, and then – you know, they can't really have it both ways. It seems but, like they're, they're never but, always on the same page. But do you think the de- would you consider the defense performing in this game? I, I would. I would say that they didn't perform that well. well I mean, considering I that you... the Giants are the the thirty first ranked team and Colt McCoy was a quarterback, I wouldn't say performing, but I would say yeah. 
giving them a chance. I, right. I mean, I mean, 17 points. I mean, even to like a bad team, that should be enough to win you a football game if you're a contender. Yeah, I so. blame. I blame. So, like, the Giants didn't score until the second half. So it was. What? It was like a weird. I think it's five nothing at, at half. It was. Yeah, it was really weird. I, I hate. I hate when games are scored so weird. Like a five or like eleven. Yeah. So it's it's on Russ there. I think that um, he pretty much got shut out in the in the first half. And mm-hmm. and there was that was the chance to like expand it, make Colt McCoy throw because they got killed on the ground. Wayne Gallman rushed for 135 yards. Yeah, he's, so been, he, he's been pretty good recently. Yeah, and it was, if they could have taken Gallman away, then you're making Colt McCoy throw. Mm-hmm. That's when mistakes start to happen because Colt weird, McCoy he didn't have that great of a game, you know. No, he didn't. But the weird thing is the Seahawks' run defense has generally been pretty good over the past couple of years. But like this time, it was their run defense really that or their defense overall, I guess. But you're letting up runs like that. You can let Colt McCoy, even if he just has like a mediocre game managing the managing yeah. the clock, managing the game, he can end up killing you. So it's strange that their one strength defensively really is what killed them in this one. Last point on I want to make on the game. There was a comment made by Pete Carroll. I think it was earlier today. Um, he pretty much said, without mentioning Wilson, he pretty much said, uh, you know, our, Q, our quarterback needs to get the ball out. He said we need to get the ball out faster because the O line was performing well. We were holding on to it too long, and I think that's actually honestly a consistent trait of Russell Wilson in in the past years. He holds the ball. Yeah, he tries to be a playmaker constantly. And there's times where you just either a need to throw it away, or or move move and, and run for a little bit. I think he tries to look for the big plays too much there. I think Rodgers does that too, even though Rodgers gets you know, a lot of Hail Marys, but like me both of them, I think have issues with like, they almost feel the need. They're polar opposites of Brady. Brady can take a throw away because he knows he can, you know, get the next play. I think Wilson mm-hmm. and Rogers both just their, their minds like all over the place when they start going out of the pocket, which is hurts them. And I heard him this game. Like, but I feel like against the giants here, um, they weren't like, there were some plays where they would bring a blitz and they were there right away. He would even rush four, and they were in his grill right away, making, forcing him to make that play like multiple times, and he just he couldn't get it. So you got to tip your hat to the Giants there. I'm not I'm not looking for you to actually tip your hat this time, but going into this offseason, right? I'm looking at a guy like Jamal Adams, and I've been thinking about this. He is six one, two fourteen, two fifteen, probably on a good day. We know that he sucks in coverage. He is one of the most overrated players in the league. What do you think about you're the you're the strength and conditioning guy for the Seattle Seahawks? What do you think about beefing him up to about two fifty, making him a linebacker? Two fifty? I don't know. Do something. <laughs> he's gonna have to go around a weight regimen. Jesus. And maybe see, like maybe play him see, like Patrick Chung or something, where you put him in the box or something like that, and kind of have him be like a hybrid, almost. I could, no, I I get your point there, Anthony. Like I do. Maybe not forty pounds, but like if you get him to like two thirty. Have him gain like fifteen ish pounds in the offseason. He he could be he could be a quick linebacker. He could be like a Bobby Wagner, you know, quick linebacker. Yeah. Um, but also I don't know because I, I know he's not great in coverage, but I think you also like to have that ball hawk back there where he can kind of zone up and you know hit hit the hit the running backs when they come up to the you know to the line, but also you know stay stay with you know, guys that are going deep and be able to pick balls off. So I don't know if they have safety depth, maybe they transition them down, but uh, I don't know. It'd be, you'd have to get Jamal to buy into it too, which I, he doesn't seem like the person that would do that. So, yeah, yeah I, feel like, I feel like on top of that, um, I feel like their corners also need some work. I mean, they got Shaq Griffin. I think, I think they have 
I really can't name a lot of guys in their secondary, but it's not it's not great. And Jamal Adams, the experiment there really hasn't worked too well. It wasn't really like a seamless transition. Like every, I remember when they traded for him, everybody was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna be so nasty." You know, like the defense was the thing that really needed help, and it's ended up not really working that well. Um, and, you know, they let a guy like flank flank <laughs> Frank Clark go. Um, I think it was a year or two ago, a guy who was on their D line who they could really use in terms of pass rush. Um, yeah, I think they just need make some moves, beef up that defense this offseason because I really um, don't see them going somewhere if they can't really make defensive plays in the playoffs. Anthony, also one more thing I want to say is I like that you mentioned how the Giants had five sacks against him because I remember distinctly watching it and some of the times that Russell Wilson was sacked, he was trying to run away, make plays. He was spinning around, then he would get just like nailed by a defensive lineman just because he's trying to make you know make a play, trying to do too much. Um, their offensive line and their defense really just like their downfall when it comes down to it. Absolutely. Enough of week thirteen. Let's let's jump a little bit ahead. Power power ranking. So I saw I've been seeing I see posts all the time. You see the big headlines, top five in the league, SNF on NBC on Instagram. Um, so I said, you know what? Let's do our own top top five. Why not? We don't we haven't done a list. This is kind of a little bit of a throwback to the summer when we had no content to make. We were just making top ten lists, but this is a top five, and we're just gonna debate a little bit. So whoever wants to start, we're just gonna go five to one. We'll debate mm-hmm. after because I feel like if we go um, one by one, we'll be here for a half hour, and we don't want to do yeah. that. And surely our listeners at home don't want to do that. Either. <laughs> you want to start, Pat? I'm gonna go. I'll go. I'll kind of go on the fly here. Um, we're going five to one. Five to one. All right, I'm gonna go with five. I think I am going to go with. Hmm. Don't think you know. No, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go five. I'm going to go with the Rams. Uh, Rams at five. I'm going to go with the Steelers at four. The Bills at three. The Saints at two and the Chiefs at one. Okay. Steelers really took a hit for me this week. I'm not even going to lie. I almost put the Washington football team in my top five, but I decided not to. Almost. Big believers in them. Just outside. Yeah. But I'm gonna. Uh, I'll take go it ahead. next. I know yeah. the Rams just missed out. They they'd be my number six. But it's respectable. It's respectable. They always do. I know Jordan's a big Rams fan. He's a big Steelers fan. That's why I put the Steelers. Not a big, I'm not a big Steelers. Fan. <laughs> I'm just busting Jordan, your balls. Jordan's a closet. Closet. I didn't know, Gra- I didn't know Graham joined the chat. <laughs> Once again, he's not dead. Um, <laughs> Steelers at five. I got Buffalo at four. Um, those two play this week. That's going to be a fun matchup. And then I still have the Packers at three. Not that I still have my I still think they're a top team. And then I have the Saints at two. Kansas City Chiefs at number one. I don't think that one's debatable at all. So we kind of have to generally the same. I have I have the Saints at five. Even though they're my they're my uh, Super Bowl Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I, I was clowning you for that in week three, but now you know I'll give you credit. I, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think like the momentum they're riding with Hill right now. I don't know if it can continue. That's the thing. His, the way the way he's playing right now, I don't know. I they I question whether that can actually flow into the playoffs. I don't know who they're going to start. Are they going to bring Breeze back? That'll Might be a, well. that'll be a debate for another day. But I have the Rams at four. I've got the Steelers at three. I've got the Packers at two. Chiefs at one. So the Bills didn't even crack your top five. They were. I had them in at six, and then 
um, or had them in at five, I should say. And then I was thinking between them and the Saints. The Bills' defense, like, really scares me because they've been they've gone from like way up from last year, way. To, I mean, they're really bad now. They're getting pieced up by pretty much every quarterback, which I don't know. And I always look for teams that have solid defenses. Like every, everyone I listed here, generally has an above average defense, and uh, the Bills just don't. So I, I don't like that. So yeah, that's good. I honestly, I actually completely glossed over the Packers. But <laughs> when I didn't hear the Packers, I was like, "Damn, I don't hear this explanation." <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I look at the standings. I was like, "Shit, I got to go on the fly." I completely, yeah. I didn't. I guess I went right over them. I'd say I put the Packers up there, maybe um, put them over the Bills, so they'd be at three. The Bills would be at four. Um, yeah, the Rams would knock out of the top five, but still, I mean, I think all those teams up there. It's pretty close. The Rams, I feel like, can play up to their competition, but they're also like they have Jared Goff, and he's not good at anything. So it's kind of tough. Whoa, uh, he's not good at no, anything. He's what, average at everything. What, what's what's Jared Goff good at? What, what, what does he stand Man, out at? Managing the game, Fucking. handing the ball off. You can watch Super Bowl Fifty Three. Tell me he's pretty good at QB sneaks. Well. He's pretty good. At, you see that sneak over the weekend? The I did not. But Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett's pretty good at it too. <laughs> he's a special. Here's the thing about Goff, though. There's, a, there's so much talent the on that on that offense and on the <laughs> defensive side. He's, he kind of has the same like the same job as like a Baker Mayfield. He doesn't need to be outstanding ever, but when he yeah. is, they really look like when he's good. Yeah, when he's on, yeah, it's undoubtedly a top five team in my opinion. Mm. And I wanted to really give the Rams a boost just because I think their defense sits a little bit higher. I think they're right. Them and the Saints are right up there in the top defenses because in the NFC, it's all offense, in my opinion, from what yeah. we've seen this year in the shootouts. So that's why I put the Saints so high up is because I think come playoff time, no matter who starts a quarterback, you're going to have Michael Thomas, you're going to have Alvin Kamara, you're going to have your other serviceable guys. But that defense, I think Demario Davis is absolutely balling out this year. Um, he's really come into his own. I think he, they got him from the Jets a few years ago. So – that's the only reason I put them so high. I mean, is the Taysom Hill experiment going to work in the long run? I don't think so, personally. Um, teams are finally oh, going to start to game plan against that, almost like they did Lamar, because I think Lamar is obviously more talented at quarterback than Taysom Hill. But Jordan, real, oh, you're going to end my gears right now. Maybe. <laughs> no, the only thing I'll say is this. when, when So before this week, I was thinking the same exact same thing. I'm thinking – Taysom Hill, all he's done is run the ball. It was like every touchdown he was doing, he was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. This past week, he was dotting um, the, 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 who the who they play, Falcons? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which isn't really a compliment. Their team sucks, but... Um, hey, they dominated the Raiders. He was passing... He was passing it, like, very well. And that's something I don't know Lamar can do. After watching last night's game, he there's a lot of passes that were well over... Uh, Boyle's head, Marquise Brown's head. Taysom Hill, he it didn't give me that impression when he was thrown last game. So in terms of passing, I'm going to give it to Taysom Hill. In terms of playmaking, it's undoubtedly Lamar. But quarterback play overall, I mean, Lamar's easier to game plan against. I mean, you can also After, compare the weapons, though. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, but other than Michael Thomas. I'm, I can't, yeah. I'm, I'm, you got to count Alvin Kamara as a weapon. Come on, man. All right. Yeah. You're right. a back angle or a wheel, come on. But, but, yeah, you're right. You're right. We're gonna say that. Um, I wonder if the problem with the Ravens is 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 the coaching is 
the offensive coordinator because like they're I feel like they really don't have an offensive identity. Last year it was rushing really, rushing the ball a ton. I mean they still threw for thirty five touchdowns, but now it's just like I feel like it's just like they 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 go game by game, play by play, and just see whatever the hell works. Yeah, I, I, there's no real method to it. I feel like one thing I don't get with the Ravens is Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins. He's been pretty good pretty much all year. He had the COVID thing in the past couple weeks, but previously he when he got his carries, he did he did good with them. Last mm-hmm. week, um, he so week what twelve, he uh, he got like fifteen ish carries, like eighty yards or something, a touchdown. People were thinking, all right, he, this is that was his breakout game. Here he comes, and then they go and give Mark Ingram six carries. They give Gus Edwards seven carries. Granted, Dobbins went for 12 or 13 for 90 and another touchdown, but I don't get why he's not the bell cow. Why is he uh, yeah, not I getting... I see why they're doing running back by committee. It doesn't really make yeah. sense to me. Why would you waste a pick on arguably the best running back in that draft mm-hmm. to just use him in a committee in his rookie year? When he's... It's not like it's like a Cam Akers where he's he's another argument. You know, he, he may be breaking out soon too, but, you know, throughout the season, it was kind of like, eh, he, he isn't very efficient with his carries. And you also have... Brown and Henderson, who are playing better. Ingram sucks now. Ingram needs to call it quits. And Gus Edwards is is like a backup on every team. So I, it doesn't make sense to me. I, their run game is elite because they have Lamar, but it can even be even better with the with the play action in the in the option they run. I don't know. I think if they got Dobbins going, they could honestly jump into my top five because they could just hammer horrible run defenses. Um, mm-hmm. But like it, for some reason. Against the Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. They, they, you know, even though one they didn't thing, run Dobbins that much, they still, every single one of their running backs was on that night, and Lamar ran for like 100. It's so. showing how dangerous this run, this run, um, this running attack can be. Yeah. Just look, they had that slow start, and as soon as that got going, it slowly built up over time, and there was no stopping it. Mm-hmm. Um, defenses get tired after a while, and you're going to break out for that 20 yard run eventually. Yeah. And especially, if, I I honestly think if they can incorporate like a no huddle type of offense, I mean, it's kind of rare to come by. The The Bills invented it back in the 90s and nobody could stop them. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, that whole gang. Um, I feel like if the Ravens can do that, if they can condition themselves well enough to do that, I think it could be one of the scarier offenses we've seen in a really long time. As a matter of fact, I think it can be scarier than the offense that the Ravens were packing during Lamar's MVP season. I kind of like that idea, Anthony, because, I mean, you have three running backs who are, you know, at least serviceable, at least. Gus Edwards, I consider, like, you know, serviceable guy. Um, and Ingram and, and Dobbins, you know, they're they're both pretty good, even if Ingram's pretty old. And you have Jackson, who um, is as talented a runner as anybody we've ever seen. So, I mean, yeah, if they can do that, they would really just be able to wear teams down and then they have them on their heels, hit them with a play action or something and change it up. That could really be something. Even on, like, a third down or um fourth down and very short can um situation you got that read option and you got Patrick Ricard I, who I think is one of the better um receiving slash running fullbacks in the league I mean fullbacks aren't really imp- implemented into offenses now the last time I think we really saw it w- used well was I mean Kyle use check on the Niners in the Ravens in his own um, great career uh James Devlin on the Pats um shout out to him he's he was ball he was a baller back in the day mm-hmm. um <laughs> but when you can implement that into your offense, I think it makes it so much scarier because teams don't expect it because it's so hard to come by in today's yeah. NFL. I mean, and one thing I want to mention, kind of straying back to the power rankings, we always say, you always hear the saying of like, don't spend a lot on your running back because 
generally Super Bowl teams that that win don't their running back is not someone they you know put a lot of money into. But if you look at the rankings of or at least in the majority of our rankings, we had four four or five teams that were at least four teams that were generally always showed up. It was the Chiefs, the Packers, the Steelers. Those three were were in all of our rankings. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs with Clyde Edwards, they're not paying him a lot, but he's a talented running back. The Packers with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and the Steelers with James Conner. So, and all three of them, in addition, have a good QB mixed with another good receiver. So they've got the trio that we always talk about. Mm-hmm. How important is that trio to success? I mean, it's obvious that if you have more talent, it's going to turn into um, wins. But a team like the Ravens, who seem to be struggling, have a talented have a talented QB. They have a talented run game, but they don't have receivers really. Marquise Brown is taking a huge step back mm-hmm. in, in addition to Lamar not being able to throw. So honestly, it's we always talk about that the formula, like what formula works. And if you're missing one of those pieces, it really brings your um, your ranking down and your in your opportunity at the Super Bowl down, in my opinion. No, I gotta agree. I mean, I feel like um, the Ravens, you know, is, you can knock um, Lamar Jackson's ability to throw all day, but I mean, he doesn't really have a a number one receiver. Marquise Brown is just kind of, you know, there if he's the number one option. <laughs> teams can easily negate him um and you know in the secondary whatever and then you have willie sneed you got like guy like mark andrews who's good but you need a guy like you know if they signed antonio brown or something like that someone to help him out there or if they even if they had a guy like i don't know brandon cooks or somebody who's a veteran who can you know stretch the field make plays um you know i think lamar jackson could thrive with that kind of thing i don't think it's necessarily he can't throw the ball i mean he threw for 35 touchdowns last year but yeah when the, the offense they're running doesn't really help him um, to facilitate the ball to all these, you know, kind of middle of the line. He has like, he has like four number three receivers, kind of like what the Pats have right now. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think more often than not, the teams that will win Super Bowls have have one guy, one guy at least, um, at receiver, at tight end, that can really break through and make a difference. Um, and having that with a deadly run game would just, you know, Work wonders for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And I mean, to me, it, I don't know how you feel because you didn't have the Packers in there in your top five, but maybe mm. you'll agree with this. To me, it's Chiefs, Packers, and then everyone else. I think those two are the clear number ones in each division. I mean, mm. each conference. And then oh. it's, you yeah. can organize the, the second tier and the third tier, but I don't know. I, those teams are, in my opinion, miles ahead of everyone else. Chiefs, most certainly, I think, are just, they're my favorite to, yeah. to repeat. I mean, I really just think when they want to, they're just completely better than everybody else. Packers, yeah. I'm a little iffy on just because of their defense, but um, they've beaten some good teams. They've also lost to some good teams in the Colts, obviously. Um, I feel like, I don't know, it's kind of tough if they don't have Devontae Adams. Or, like Hopefully he stays healthy. I just feel like they don't... Um, I don't know. I feel like... They're they, very deep. Yeah, exactly. I feel like yeah. they rely a little too much on their stars, which is fine. Um, in a year where I think the NFC is kind of weaker than weaker than normal, I feel like you don't really have a clear cut number one. I mean, outside of the Packers, you really don't. Um, I would definitely put the Packers in my top five if I redid it. I just I forgot about them, but um, I think the NFC is yeah, kind of kind of a kind of a shit show this year. The AFC, yeah. the Chiefs definitely um, are up there, and you got some wild cards in there like like the Titans, the Colts, teams that can maybe make some noise. But this is definitely a weird year for the NFL. Um, just a lot of, I don't know, 
it's just, it's just it's just really weird. You don't have a true um, like, like pack of teams. Yeah, yeah. Where are where are we, fellas? I had to just go run and do some real quick. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Let's get that real no, quick. No, we're talking about. I I said this. I said it this, Anthony. I said the Chiefs and the Packers are they're in tier one. Everyone else is in tier two. And I and I said it's a considerable gap between the Chiefs and the Packers and then everyone else. I think I that those you put two. The Saints up there. The Saints. No, I don't even. I don't even say that. I say you have. I think. I don't know. I was talking about this with a couple of my friends the other day, and we were we were saying that I feel like we we all feel that the NFL is the most balanced it's been in such a long time yeah. in terms of talent amongst teams. Mm. But I feel like everyone's here, and the Chiefs are just way up here. Yeah, I feel like it's. There's like a big gap between everybody else. Like, like that's you know, you know what it is? It's, can... it's everybody and then the Chiefs and the Raiders. Or the Raiders <laughs> when they're playing the Chiefs. Or, or they're, both, they're, they're neck and neck, but then everybody else is down there. That's a comedian. <laughs> Pat no, is leaving. It's true, though. I mean, it's true. We have some breaking news. Pat is leaving New Guys Podcast to pursue a career <laughs> in comedy. <laughs> so this podcast will just be stuck with Jordan and I every single week. Pat has left the chat after getting flamed by Anthony. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying, Anthony, but no, I, I, I think like there's I an argument to be made. What are you gonna say, God? Sorry, no, no, no. I, I just, I kind of got it. I feel like there's like the Packers are great and everything, but I feel like the Chiefs just stand so far by everybody else right now. That's how I feel, honestly. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I think their offenses are pretty comparable. I know it's maybe a hot take, but if you're talking about who would you rather have, Adams or uh, Tyreek Hill? I just had that down. I was gonna after we went off the air, I wanted to propose this for next week, but hey, screw it, we're here. I was actually hoping this came up in conversation. Who's the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the league? And I honestly think the two the two front runners are Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes or Patrick and Mahomes and, and, Hill, and then Rogers and Devontae Adams. For sure. And I think I, I think know. those yeah, two hundred percent. Who'd you say? No, I said hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, it's those two. And then everybody else. But in yep. terms of teams, I mean, if you put it that way, a quarterback wide receiver duo is huge. Now that I think about it, the, the Packers and Chiefs are really one of the same, if you want to say. Not really the same. I still feel like the Chiefs are a little more superior. But that's interesting to think about. To me, though, Adams is just – he's so reliable at such a high – um, talent level, where if you just look at what he's done this season, I mean, he's going to break Packer receiving records missing three or four games. I think he's the is, best receiver in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I don't think it's close. Honestly, at this point, um, I can't. We did our pre our pre receiving rankings uh, over the summer. I don't think anyone had Adams as one. I'm trying to think who had no. the highest. Who had Adams? Yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah, you had like you had him at like six. <laughs> I think I had him. I may have had him three. I think I had him three. I think he had like three. four. I think we I, I pro, we probably had him like five. Let me, bring, like let me bring this up real quick. But I think yeah, I think undoubtedly it's got to be Adams right now. It's That's just, a now, yes. I mean the other right. thing, the other me, thing with the Chiefs though is Kelsey. Yeah, you have to throw him in there too. But then then you got to look at like Aaron Jones is. Far superior to Clyde Edwards. Definitely. So then it's like the run game. It, you can, it even back. Yeah, it's like, where are you going to? So then it gets into depth. If you're looking Perfectly at depth, balanced. the Chiefs take it easily. But then you like switch to defense. Like it's, there's a lot. I don't know. But I want to um, propose this to you guys. I'm just thinking like, 
you talk about a running back like that, and we're talking about offensive talent, and you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they rely on they have their they have their game plan figured out. Full on air attack. Like mm-hmm. throw it up to Kelsey over the middle, throw it a streak up to Tyreek Hill. Throw um you could throw um what's his name? I'm forgetting Michael Hardman. Michael Hardman. You throw him in the mix. He's he can be just as He's dangerous as Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And you think of, they have their system figured out, and then you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, who are two serviceable running backs when either A on second or third down and short. I don't know if I talked about this with you guys. I know I talked about it with my other podcast. If you want to listen to that, do or don't. I don't really care. Um, and to close out a game when you're trying to run down the clock and make an yeah. opponent use their timeouts, they're extremely serviceable for that. So. I bring up this argument that I wanted to bring up last week. I had it all in my notes. I had it all in my preparation. I had my whole argument ready, and I I got to use it. On, I didn't get to use it twice like I wanted to. If I know this is kind of far-fetched, I'm kind of going off a little bit. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get their stuff figured out, they can be more, a lot more dangerous than the Kansas City Chiefs. Often. For sure. Mm-hmm. I might not, thank you. Thank I won't you. even lie. Would oh. I? Sorry, when when I heard that they were signing Antonio Brown, I put a bet on down on them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so. I think it's. I gotta check on it. It's like it's like ten for like hundred and ten. So that, I mean, that's not bad. Here's the thing: like, if you're looking at ju- scratch stats, just look at talent. There's an argument to be made that Evans, Godwin, and AB are all at least top fifteen receivers in terms of talent. I think mm-hmm. AB is certainly just looking at talent, not looking at statistics, no off the field antics or anything. AB is probably top ten still, in my opinion, because he, although he hasn't really performed that much, if you look at some of the plays that Brady's missed him on, I mean, deep throws left and right. I mean, he catches one of those deep balls and for sixty yards, his stat line looks a lot different. People are always oh, back. AB's back. Um, so in terms of talent, I mean, if they can get that figured out, and you have three pretty much wide receiver ones with Ronald Jones. And Gronk, that's that's the offense Raps. we were expecting, and it's not performed. I'm still not going to write them off. You know, I think yeah, no, they they just had a bye this week. I think they've got time. To, I think if they had a better coach, honestly, they they might be a little bit better. Like Arians, kind of a clown, my ass. But there's no doubt that they should be, they should be one in the rankings, if not two, right behind. The a Chiefs. few weeks ago, I was ready to put them at number one in the league. Back before they had their, their little skid, I think they were sitting at like seven and six and two, maybe seven and two. I'm not really too sure, but they were look they were really clicking a few weeks ago, especially when they walloped the Packers. Like, yeah, you got to remember that yeah. the Packers and that's yeah. probably the matchup the Packers don't really want if they end up getting the two seed. Uh, they're still a very dangerous team, and their defense, though it hasn't been good recently, it's it's still got you know great playmaking ability. And I'm just thinking out loud here. The reason the Bucks aren't successful is because they don't know what they want to do on offense. Do they want to? Do they want to run the ball? Do they want to do an air attack like the Chiefs do? Do they want to run the play action, or do they just want to run a West Coast style, which I think would honestly be the best thing for them, with the occasional bomb to a guy like Mike Evans? Because when you have, like, this is still crazy for me to say, you have Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, and that's that's the big three in like Madden 16 that you're building your team <laughs> and, and, and Tom Brady, of course. Yeah. And you're building your team around that. You're, you have that to work with as an offense. You want to throw up the air raid, but when you have guys like Antonio Brown who can, 
who can make plays after the catch. Why and Chris Godwin as well. Why wouldn't you? Um, why wouldn't you run a West Coast style? Rely on the short passes and rely on your receivers to make the plays. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, you have Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans, two physical big bodies who can go up and get a ball when you throw it down the field. Yeah. So I think the ultimate demise of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be Bruce Arians and the power struggle down there. And who gets – what do you want to run? You have you have the option to do everything, but what do you run? That's yeah. that's That would be my question. Hmm. Me personally – I'm going to build that team around around Godwin and A.B. I mean, who knows how much longer A.B. has to play. I still think he has some very good elite years ahead of him. So that's why I'm more reliant on, on that than Rob Gronkowski, who seems to be a little bit broken down. I mean, he is a little bit broken down. I mean, the year off obviously did a lot for him, but one wrong move, one hit, and he is done, in my yeah. opinion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on that. So that's the only argument I have going for. Godwin and Brown in the West Coast style. I, I see what you mean. And now it kind of brings up the question. I just thought of this. There's a lot of time. I don't know when AB signed, what week it was. It was after the deadline, definitely. Trade deadline, definitely. But it was probably, what, week nine, week-ish? Eight or nine? Week nine, week ten. I mean, probably um, week eight, week nine, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, let's say, the deadline didn't exist, even though, just in a in a vacuum, it doesn't exist. Would a some trade formed around Mike Evans and Joe Tooney work out between them and the Pats. Because if you look at where the Bucks are at right now, they don't their O-line's horrible. I mean, they drafted Tristan Weirfs, and he's been okay, but other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, they did stretch against the Packers where they had like five holding calls in a row. I mean, a right. good O-line doesn't do that. So you throw right. Joe Tooney in there, that's a Pro Bowl guard. You give up a, I mean, probably something else going back to them because Evans is a great receiver. But, you know, Pats get their receiver that they want. Bucks improve on the O-line. They're not as top-heavy on the receiving end. Now you have Godwin and A.B. with Gronk um, and in a good running game, and your O-line is a little bit more improved. I mean, if you're talking about just trying to get a Super Bowl this year and, and trying to win you know, this year, especially with Brady being old and who knows what he's going to do next, that might not have been a bad move because he Tooney was one of the better O-linemen on the block out there. And if you, you know, you're top-heavy on the wide receiver core without a doubt. But maybe it was too maybe be too much to give up. I don't know. If I'm if I'm them, I feel like I'm more willing to trade Godwin definitely than than Evans. Um, I'm looking at Evans right now. I mean, he he really hasn't had a ton of standout performances this year, but he's had a lot of games where he's just had like two receptions for two touchdowns or three receptions yeah. two two touchdowns, whatever. Really yeah. really weird games. And I, th- I like what you're saying, Anthony, about their offense not really having an identity because I feel like. I feel like they're almost playing the game of Madden and they're trying to, you know, go deep every play. They're trying to make these big plays. But in reality, like I do, if you have, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you have three elite receivers, you have a pr- very good running back. You've got a top five, top 10 tight end. Uh, you know, why are you not just kind of almost like a death by a thousand cuts? You can really just drop your way down, almost like dink and dunk. People say about Tom Brady. Brady's game. Just, just ease your way down the field and just just wear them down. No, and when I, they finally overcome that, right there would have been my driving argument. Right, like, I didn't yeah. even think about Brady di- just liking the dink and dunk it. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that well, it's, it's my number one point. It's yeah. crazy to me that you I go and acquire you go and acquire that one of the still top quarterbacks in the league, best best man uh, game managers, best talents ever at the QB position, and you what'd you say? 
best everything. Yeah, best everything. Best looking of, of all time, and still, still at the hey, yo. top level. <laughs> I, I won't even ao you there. I, I, you're, you're not capitalizing. Um, you go and acquire that, and then you don't build the offense around him in, in the sense that you don't you don't do motion like like he loves in, in New England. You mm-hmm. don't like Pat was saying do the dink and duck slants, dump it off to the running back, blah blah blah. You just you just continue with this downfield stuff. Brady hasn't been a downfield thrower in maybe since Moss. Like you're yeah, talking ten Moss. years. I mean, I mean, you had Jameis Winston last year, and you were hucking it down the field, Slinging. just saying like, "Oh, you know, Mike Evans is out there somewhere." <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, but he, like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I, I, I really don't get it because you can really just lull the defense into a false sense of security, running the ball and doing some short passes, and then yeah. that's when Brady likes to do like you know the flea flicker, the play action, the deep. You got AB. And Godwin and Evans running down the field. You have three options right, right. there. They yeah. can't yeah. cover all of them. It's just I I really don't understand what he's what they're really going for down there. I I feel like they're just it's criminal that they have all this talent and they're really not using it the way they should yeah. be. One last thing for uh, Antonelli, you go after this, but Brady also needs. He hasn't been good th- this past month. I mean, people can say all they want about well, the game plan isn't around him, like I just said, but evidently it comes back to him. Missing a B on four or five deep balls, missing Godwin on deep balls, you know, throwing throwing bad badly time passes, overthrowing people. I mean, he looks a little bit lost out there. Um, whether it's his age, we always say every year. But you know, if he has another down year here and they get bumped early, it's now two years in a row where he's looked below average or just about average, not Tom Brady. So then there's a question of is 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 this not Tom Brady anymore? And is this finally the cliff? You know that everyone's been talking about for eight or eight or nine years. I mean, I don't know. He can st- he still you know had a pretty good year, but more recently in this past month or so, he's one of the reasons why they've slipped. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if there's like some sort of because I want to you. I still want to. I think I've still proved my point, but I still want to drive it even further. I want to figure out in Madden. I want to take this Buccaneers team, right? I mean, I know it's Madden, blah blah blah. It's not the best thing in the world, but. I feel like if I run a simulation of the Buccaneers season every year, and I feel like if I could just change their play style, like just change their playbook every time and just simulate it, I guarantee you if I run a West Coast, a simulation with the West Coast offense style will be the best Buccaneers team. I, I will put, I'm willing to put money on it. You know, something interesting I'm looking at right now. Um, I'm looking at Tom Brady's attempts for every game, and there's been – Let's see. There's been only one time he's thrown for under 30 passes. I feel like when he's in New England, he really wasn't throwing for over 30 passes that many times. And most of the games, he's throwing for 38, 39, 40 passes. I, I don't really think that's that's a Tom Brady kind of style anymore when he's when he's 42 years old. Like Anthony, I like what you're saying. If we if we ran a more, or if they ran a more West Coast style, you know, more balanced run and pass attack, like short attack. I feel like that you know kind of works to utilize Brady's strengths and, um, you know, take advantage of all the talent they have. Because, I mean, Brady's a guy who likes to get the ball out quick. He doesn't like to sit back, you know, look downfield every every single play. He likes to kind of just, you know, be quick with it. Yeah. I'm done but, talking yeah. about former Patriots. Let's talk about the Patriots <laughs> now. Um, hell of an overall team win. 45 nothing. big egg on the board for the Los Angeles – I almost said San Diego. Los Angeles Chargers – this past week, um, I want to know what are your biggest takeaways from this game? And I know Jordan has a whole simulation set up, not created by him. I wish he created it. I would 
Uh, you didn't have to reveal that, but okay. Um, biggest takeaways. Oof. I think it's gotta be the defense. It's kind of an obvious one, but we always, you know, the the notion that uh, Belichick always shuts down the rookies and blah blah blah. But Herbert was on a tear recently. I mean, I think it was something like six or six or seven games with three plus touchdowns, two fifty plus yards. I mean, to shut him down and not have him score a point. That shows there that our defense is still, when we play, once again, when we're on, we're on, on the defensive end. Um, and then I think the other takeaway has got to be the, the ability for Cam to not – if you look at, look at his passing stats, it, it's evident that, like, he's not a passing quarterback. Everyone knows that, yeah. That's right. got it right on point. But – I want to hit the timeout button here real quick because I was I was doing prep for this right, and I'm writing down Newton's stats. Never mind, I'm reading his rushing stats because I saw 48, and I I wrote rushing. I'm an idiot. Keep going. I apologize. Um, you're good. You're good. I would say that generally, if you watch the game, you would say Newton nine out of ten times made the right play, made the right read. That's always the question with him. I feel like it's it's whether he can. You know, on that on those third downs when he needs to make that pass, can he make that pass? On the on the third and shorts, can he go and get the runs? And one thing we saw that we talked about last week that he wasn't running a lot. We saw a lot more runs from Newton this week, which turned into a blowout win. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I think it's literally that if you run through Cam Newton and Damian Harris with Sony Michelle in there, who actually didn't look too bad, had some broke off for a couple decent runs. And you kind of let your receivers sit back, and then when you need to pass, you pass. Make them stop that run before you transition to just airing it out. And I think in some of the games we played, um, like against the Texans, we talked about only running the ball like 16 or 17 times. times 11 combined. times with Harris. 11 times with Harris, yeah. I mean, you should be pushing 30 with Newton, Harris, and Michelle. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, I think this emphasizes that we need to, to play the run game, similar to how the Ravens do. Um, Lamar and Cam are comparable in many ways where their greatest attribute is not, is certainly not passing it. Um, but they're both big playmakers. And uh, yeah, I would, so I would say the defense is a huge takeaway that it's still, it's still up there atop the league. And, um, and, and the emphasis on the running game that needs to continue against the Rams. Yeah. I want to give major credit to the defense and special teams over the past um yeah. Maybe three or four weeks. I mean, they've just they've just been they've really flipped the switch. They've been they've been amazing. They've shown flashes of last year's defense, uh, which was incredible. Um, it was really historic, uh, at least the first eight games of the season. But in regards to Cam, um, it's I don't know. It's <laughs> it's an interesting case. You know, we were talking about earlier in the year this new Patriots offense geared around the run, and then with the emergence of Damian Harris, that's really become a reality. Uh, yeah, there are games like Houston where we really should have run the ball more. There have been times where Cam Newton's cost us, um, maybe even cost us games. You know, look at Denver, you look at Buffalo. Um, but, you know, this team's kind of in what I like to look at as like a transition year. And I think it's good kind of that you have um, Cam Newton here almost like experiment and kind of see what this team can do. I mean, the defense has been great. Belichick's, I think, you know, done a lot um, with the personnel that he's had at hand um considering our cap issues we couldn't really do a whole lot but uh i think cam gets a a little too much flack uh 
from me even yeah. personally you know i've been pretty hard on him myself you know it's it's pretty easy when you're used to tom brady but, yeah uh i think i think the team's kind of rallying around him right now um hopefully they make a push for the playoffs and we've we've gotten some gutsy wins over some good teams you look at arizona you look at seattle we we almost um beat them we beat the raiders who have been pretty good this year um you completely <laughs> shut out uh the chargers one of the hottest offenses in the whole entire league there are a lot of things to be happy about this year. Um, and for a lot of people who are looking at the season as a lost season, we got a little hope to get into the playoffs. Hopefully they can. Yeah. I'm kind of well, rambling at this point. but And before you go, Anthony, the, yeah. one thing you mentioned, Pat, is like <clears throat> the, hate, the unwarranted hate on Newton. And we have a lot of people in Ride the Wave that hate on him definitely a little too much. But it's, it's interesting <laughs> to me, the argument last year with Brady not performing that well. Now, he was not bad, but he wasn't Cam Newton bad this year. But... Um, in terms of passing, but um, it was always look at the talent around him. He doesn't have anyone. He's got Michelle, who's been who's banged up, who isn't performing well. A banged up O line and a shitty receiving core. This year, if you look at Cam Newton, he has the same receiving core theoretically as Brady had, but he doesn't have Edelman anymore, and he also doesn't have Sanu. Now he does have Damian Harris. He's gotten you know that run game has helped him tremendously. But why is the why is there no argument there? Why is the argument? not the same as it was last year. Cam Newton is a worse quarterback than Tom Brady, without a doubt. So mm-hmm. why is he not getting the benefit of the doubt to say, look, he doesn't have a good offense around him. Is he playing great? No. But did Brady play great last year? No. But the blame wasn't on him. It was on Nikhil Harry. It was on Michelle. It was on the right. O-line. This year, it's all on Cam Newton, which mm-hmm. I don't get. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I honestly am not the biggest fan of Cam Newton. I wish he could throw the ball a little better because that's what we're so used to seeing. My thing I wanted to touch on with this offense is they did they did this. They did this whole 45 nothing thing. Jared Statham having to go in and throw a touchdown because it was that much of a blowout. They said, ah, throw, ah screw it, throw in the backups. This Chargers defense is no slouch. I think they're ranked number 12 in the league. They're in the, they're in the upper half just outside of the top 10 in terms of overall defenses. They did this against them, and that's just absolutely crazy. And you mentioned – um, Herbert's like um streak of 250 plus yard games. He we we held him to 209 yards and two picks. One of them coming from my guy Jake, uh, Chase Winovich. Please come on the pod. Um, <laughs> but you gotta you gotta also not tip your hat to special teams. I mean Gunnar Ocheski. I mean I think that was kind of karma from the Arizona game because that was not an illegal block in the back. So I think that was um. A, um, a simple case of the ball doesn't lie. He had that punt return um, two weeks ago. So they uh, said, ah, screw it, give it to him this week. And obviously, Devin McCourty's, um, I don't think he blocked it. I forget who blocked it, but he took the block. That was a perfect goal. bounce into his hands. Oh, yeah. That. And that's just that's just the special teams that we train to play. So I know I really should have made this Pat segment, Pat's, pa- Pat's Patriots, um, uh, path to the playoffs. Pats, Patriots. Try saying that fast five times. Pats, Patriots. Path to the playoffs. Um, but Jordan found a really cool little thing. So I want to. I'm gonna hand it over to him real quick, just so he can run through the little simulations he's got pulled up. Yeah, it's really complicated. So there's like a lot of different things you can do. It's New York Times. It's like literally the title of it is how the New England Patriots can make the playoffs. And they have this for every team. Yeah, they have it for every team. So it's kind of cool. They have like every game from here on out. You can select who wins which game. It shows you like which ones actually have implications and matter. But just theoretically, because the Ravens, the Ravens losing against the or winning against the Cowboys last night was pretty big 
because I believe our percentage would have jumped from like 16 to like 40 making the playoffs. It's staying now at like 16. Now it can jump up with a win um, against the Rams, just a straight win against the Rams. Um, and uh, we jump up to around a 30% chance to make the playoffs, just to win with against the Rams. That's with nothing else happening. If we win out, we close in near 95% to make it. Then you get into like all the like back and forth between like who you want to win, who you want to lose. Um, but generally, if you just focus on this week, if we can just beat the Rams and we can get the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, which should happen, if we can get um, an upset with the with well, Colts Raiders really doesn't matter. Let's say the Raiders take that one, and then we go and the Browns can get an upset on the Ravens. Um, in addition to uh, where's the Dolphins game? Oh, in addition to the sorry, in addition to the Steelers beating the Bills, so we get Steelers, Raiders, Browns, and the Chiefs to win, and we take a win. We jump near forty percent to make to make the um, playoffs, and that's without even calculating if we win the rest. If we win out, we need to win out. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no. You you have to win out. If you lose game, that good of a mathematician that he doesn't even have to calculate that. It's all up here. Jordan Hallett, the human calculator. Human calculator. We shouldn't have yeah. even mentioned that it was a website. We should have just been like, yeah, he did this all in his head. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> we're 20%. I'm just throwing percentages out and people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, if, if, you, if we went out, we're, we sit at a very, very high chance to get in the playoffs. So that would mean yeah. like every other team would theoretically have to win out. Which isn't going to happen. There's there's matchups where teams are going to have to lose. One of the teams we need to lose is going to lose. So the main focus so, needs to be on winning out. Let's paint the big picture for us this week, Jordan. Um, obviously the Pats have to win out. Mm-hmm. So Pats beat the Rams Thursday night. Yeah. Who are the Patriots fans rooting for, and the Patriots themselves rooting for this Sunday? The main or teams are rooting for. <laughs> I'll name every single one, even though <laughs> most yeah, some of them go. aren't. Yeah. Jaguars against the Titans. We want the Jaguars. Probably won't happen, but we're still rooting for them. Chiefs, Dolphins, 100% want the Chiefs. Raiders and Colts, it's a win-win. We benefit more from a Colts win. So we, we're, we are rooting for the Colts because we have the Raiders tiebreaker. And then the final two games, the Steelers and the Bills, doesn't matter as much because it's more of a division implication. If you still want the division in play, the Steelers win would help because it would bring us closer. Um, so I'd, we'd root for the Steelers there. And then the big one, Monday night, Browns-Ravens. We're rooting for the Browns. You can pretty much lock that first wild card up for the Browns, or at least one of them. And then it's a matter of who gets the last two. So the Browns have flipped from being like, we want them to lose, to just beat any team that we need you, uh, that, that we're close to. Mm-hmm. So if the Browns beat the Ravens, um, we and we win, theoretical tie, we jump them. Raiders lose to the Colts. Theoretical tie, we beat them because we have the well, uh, the uh, tiebreaker on both of them, and then it sits with us, the Browns, one of the Colts or the Titans, and then the Dolphins. So it gets really close. This is a huge week because Lots there's like four four games where with huge implications about whether if if if, it, if everything falls out of place and like the Ravens win. Uh, um, the Raiders win. Somehow the Dolphins upset the Chiefs. It could be really bad. I mean, it, it could be like you would, we would lose significant hope if this week doesn't fall, at least some in our favor. So, 
So, yeah, you mentioned some of those games. Um, week 14, I think, is one of the most loaded um, weeks. of. I mean, on paper, it's not all that loaded, but when it comes to playoff implication, mm-hmm. there's a lot to look forward to this week. Um, obviously, I have the Patriots and the Rams down, Colts, Raiders, Steelers, Bills, Ravens, Browns. I also have the Vikings and the Bucks down. Bucks coming out of a bye. Um, they've been in a bit, little bit of a slump. Vikings looking to make a late playoff push. I think that one's going to be very interesting to see how this Tampa defense matches up against uh, guys like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and that whole gang. And then another another matchup, Cardinals-Giants. Uh, going into the season, you think the Cardinals are supposed to blow this Giants team out of the water, but Giants defense looks good. Cardinals are in a little bit of a slump. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised if the Giants win. So yeah. Something- I'm going to... Interesting, Anthony. If I can just jump in for one second, because I know you mentioned the Vikings making a playoff push. Both the Giants and the Washington football team are only one game out of a of a wild card spot. If the Vikings lose and either of those teams win, they're in a virtual tie for that spot. And since one of them is going to get the four seed, um, you know, whichever one wins the division, you can actually realistically see two NFC's teams in the playoffs, which I think is hilarious. Mm. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool if they both got in. I would absolutely be rooting for Washington in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely be rooting for Washington. I feel like they're like a, like a really good quarterback away from actually being an elite team. Absolutely, yeah. Ron Rivera took the toxicity out of that team. Mm-hmm. I, you got to give him massive credit, and I think you should put him up for on the ballot for Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. One thing before uh, we get away from the Patriots, I was just going through like picking. Generally, what you would assume what is going to happen for the next couple of weeks, um, if you're just picking like, if you were to just like for example in in week 15, I have the Chargers upsetting the Ra- Raiders, Texans upsetting the Colts. It could happen. I mean, it's not guaranteed, but just if we look at how that pans out, and we keep winning in week 16, the Giants Ravens game holds a ton of weight because at that point, if you have the Browns beating the Ravens this week. Um, and us in a theoretical tie, you need to gain that game on the Ravens. Mm-hmm. You gain a game, you'd be you would knock them out because you would have the tiebreaker and you'd have a game on them already. Right. With with one week to go. So just to put it in perspective, everything that happened without that game, sixty eight percent chance to win. The Giants take that game, we have an eighty eight percent chance to make it in the playoffs. So twenty percent swing just without one game. It's almost as important as if we were playing in it. It's literally the the same kind of thing. Actually, kind of fun. Yeah, I'm gonna, I was insane. gonna turn, I was gonna turn to our last segment here, but I just want to throw one more thing out there. We're usually the top. We're usually the top dogs in the AFC every year, or close to it. And I don't want to say this, but I'm gonna screw it. I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh-oh. This is actually kind of fun. <laughs> I like, knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> like mapping out. All right, we need this team to win. This team to yeah. win, and we're, and we're rooting. It's like we're gonna be Browns fans for a night on Monday night. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has a little bit of Browns fan in them. Like yeah. very deep down, I think even Steelers and Ravens fans have a little bit of Browns fan somewhere <laughs> deep down in there. Just because you feel so bad from, oh, look at the poor little Browns. I and agree. It, it is the, kind of fun, isn't it? Now that they're this absolute beast of a team, um, we're going to be Browns fans for a night. I think it's going to be very fun. Even with the Giants and the um, – not the Giants and the Cardinals. I can, even the Giants and the Ravens in week 16, if that has that much of weight. Never thought I'd be rooting for the Giants as much, but – Hell, it's going to be really fun mm-hmm. um, nonetheless. So this is Pat's real segment, his week 14 upset of the week. I don't know if I'm putting him on the spot here. I told him oh. about this ahead of time. So if you had time <laughs> to think about this, 
I won't even lie, but luckily for you, I'm a master of improvisation and on the fly things like that. So, oh, yeah. My upset of the week, believe it or not, Anthony, is going to be the Buffalo Bills. I don't really know um, what the line is for that game. I'm assuming. I think Buffalo is favored. Are the Bills favored? Favored. I think they're favored by two and a half. I think they're favored. The Bills, right? Oh, they're playing the Steelers. Never mind. They're playing the Steelers. They're favored by two and a half. Really? Damn. Okay, well then I'm gonna go with the Giants. I'm assuming <laughs> that they're not favored against the Cardinals. Let me just let me just look because why, why don't you no way they're favored, quick? dude. No way. I could have sworn I saw them favored by a little bit. <laughs> no fucking way. I forget what website I looked on. Hold on, I'm, it might have been CBS. I'm not really. That's crazy. Give me one second, folks at home. Here oh, we... oh, the Giants are underdogs. Cool. Giants are underdogs. Okay. They are. Yeah, so Giants over the uh, the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are kind of rearing. Um, they kind of did a little earlier in the season too, but uh, yeah, Bills two and a half. They're really not. They're really not looking too hot. Um, I got to go with the Giants. I think they look. I think they look really good on defense. I think they might be able to shut Kyler Murray down and uh, get a much needed win in order to gain traction in the NFC playoff race. If if the Cardinals lose, I'm pretty sure they're pretty much out. It's kind of a must-win yeah. game for them as well. I honestly haven't been looking at the NFC playoff picture as much as the AFC, mm, but yeah. definitely one to watch there. I'll definitely be watching it. Um, one thing: there is a scenario where we can win the AFC East. Still, jeez, oh, I want to hear this one. If if the Bills lose to the Chiefs and the Dolphins, okay, in their last four, and then we win out. Which would mean we'd give the Bills another loss, and we give the Dolphins a loss, and then the Dolphins lose. Sorry, the Bills lose to the Steelers this week. The Dolphins lose to the Chiefs, and then the Dolphins beat the Bills, and we went out. Everyone would be tied at um, six wins, ten and six. It would then go to head to head, but obviously that you can't head to head like three teams. You know what I mean? So it then goes to division record, and we would have the better division record because. We've beaten the Dolphins. We'd have beaten the Dolphins twice, presumably beat the Jets twice, and then taken one against the Bills. God, and, I hope uh, so. If we, and I think that comes to that. Lose to the Jets. If it yeah, were to come us. down to a real division tiebreaker, it comes down to the last matchup, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, I really? think something like that. I may be wrong, but I feel like I heard that somewhere. I feel like that makes sense, though. We would own, we would own the tiebreaker for sure, though, because if it's not that, then it's definitely a division record, and we would have... Because we would have beaten the Dolphins twice and beaten the Bills once, so I think we would have it anyway. But I that's would cr- probably do it. Yeah. It could, if this comes down to, I worry about a Miami Miracle 2.0 where Don't we play that. the Jets in Week the 17. Of that. <laughs> we play the Jets in Week 17, and we we have it locked up for the playoffs, and we just choke it. What's well, like? Remember last <laughs> year we lost to the Dolphins Week 17. Yeah, we lost our bye. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was at that game and I was just like, Devontae Parker was carving up. Like like destroying Gilmore, and I was like, yeah. remember, guys, two years ago on this exact recording date was the Miami Miracle. Yeah. Oh God, that's fucking horrible. Terrible. But that didn't even that ended up just dropping Miami lower in the draft. We still won the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, that was their Super Bowl. season win. All you want. Belichick playing chess. <laughs> so, if you guys don't have any other closing thoughts, I th- we're we're going. This is one of the longer ones we've ever had. So, if you guys don't have any closing thoughts, then I'm going to wrap it up right about now. I have one. Anthony, you're doing a great job today. Yeah, good job, right. Anthony. Thank you. Good. I appreciate Anthony it. Anthony planned this entire one out. 
He did. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I don't know why. I'm well, I did find movie. the New York Times thing. He did. I'll give him credit. No, what do you mean? What New York Times thing? That's all in your head. Oh, shit, you're right. I... <laughs> uh, cut, that, cut it, cut it, cut it out. <laughs> cut it. <laughs> so, if that's all we got. Um, we will definitely be seeing you guys next week. We're going to do everything in our power to make that happen. Um, we love doing this. We appreciate every single one of you guys for watching or listening, wherever you guys are um, watching or listening this, to this on. So, yeah, that, that wraps it up. Uh, hopefully the um, – Hopefully we get a Browns win on Monday night, and hopefully we get a, pay, a Patriots win Thursday night. We're fans and of a lot of teams. This we're week. fans of a lot of teams this week. I'm going to be buying yeah. a lot of jerseys. Yeah. All right, Good guys. Bags. We will see you next week. Peace. Peace.